Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time is most appropriate for you as you are tuning in. And I am so happy to have you with me just for this short time on this day, this lovely day, this beautiful day, this awesome, awesome summer-like day in the fall time. And what day is it, Stephanie J? It is the day that the Lord hath made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I hope you are rejoicing because I certainly am on this day. And what does it mean to rejoice? Well, it means to experience joy and gladness in a high degree, to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations and to exalt. And you know, my acronym for rejoice, it is reach every day for the joy offered in Christ to every one. And there we have it. And I'm just so happy to have another opportunity to talk in front of this microphone. I had an opportunity to go out and enjoy some of this beautiful weather. And before I went out, I did something that I have not done in a long time. I sat out in my backyard and boy, was it hot. <sighs> We're in a new season. But yes, we're still seeing some uh, higher temperatures and some summer weather. So hopefully you are enjoying it as I am. I pray that all is well for you, for your family, and that, you know, things are coming along for you. And today, let's see, before I get started with my topic, because I'm just ready to jump in. I was doing some um, reading earlier and a topic idea came to me, but I have talked about a new product that I purchased um, at the fair on Sunday. And it is the Panella, P-A-N-E-L-A, Ancient Cane 100% Natural Sweetener. And so I tried it, you know, making a picture of a homemade lemonade and that didn't work so well, but I did try it out today with some uh, boiled ginger root. 
I used two units and I added some lemon and that made a pretty tasty ginger drink. And the second thing, I thought Christian would be here, but he's a little busy right now. His brother sent him a few uh, new Wii games for his birthday and they arrived uh, today and one came yesterday. And so he's a little busy trying out his new games, but he wanted to talk about uh, my chili. And I laughed on yesterday. We talked about it. I gave him a sample when it was done and his reaction was, why exactly have we been eating Wendy's and canned chili? <laughs> so he enjoyed it. And what was even more delightful was when I told him earlier today to go ahead and put the pot on the stove and heat up the chili. He's like, oh boy, there's more. And he said, mm, mommy, even better on the second day. So I have a happy and satisfied uh, customer. And so I am looking at a story in the Old Testament. And it's one of my favorite Old Testament figures, King David. Um, I did some podcast on him in the past, but this time I was looking at the story of when he went to save Kila. Kila being uh, capital K-E-I-L-A-H. And so I know that many of you are probably familiar with the story, but I just want to go through it a little bit on this episode entitled Take It Back. And before I look at the verses in the Bible, I'm going to share what I found on the telephone doing a Google search. And it comes up that Kila means citadel, a city in the lowlands of Judah. And it says, David rescued it from the attack of the Philistines. We know that they were constant enemies for David, even after he defeated Goliath. It says, but the inhabitants proving unfaithful to him in that they sought to deliver him up to Saul. He and his men departed from Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. They fled to the hill Harath, about three miles to the east, and thence through Hebron. And you're familiar with that place because I just talked about uh, Caleb and Hebron. So here it is again in another story. It says to Ziph, Z-I-P-H. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. Here, Jonathan, who was King Saul's son, sought him out and strengthened his hand in God. I'm going to pause right here. You know what I like about this? Whenever I read about the story of Jonathan and David, and very familiar with Saul, jealous and trying to kill David, he spent a lot of his time um, 
instead of handling kingly duties, he was always chasing after David, trying to destroy him. What I like about Jonathan is he is the son of Saul, but Jonathan apparently did not feel a need to side with his deranged father. That's the best word I can think of. If you read through the story, you will see that King Saul had a lot of issues. He really, really did. And it was not just with David. It was with his entire family and people that worked for him. And Jonathan befriended David. He made a covenant with David. And even though Saul was trying to turn Jonathan's heart from David saying, basically, don't you know, as long as he's alive, you'll never be king. Jonathan even told David, you're going to be king. And then I will come after you and be king. He was not even worried so much about that position more than he was worried about his friendship and relationship with David. It always bothered me when people, and it doesn't have to be a situation concerning me, although I've experienced it more than enough, when people in families just dislike someone or listen to their family member side of the story and they start disliking or hating or plotting against the other person as if there's not always more than one side to a story. So that just kind of jumps out at me. And I, I so appreciate that about Jonathan's relationship with David, because he could have very well just sided with his father and been against David. But if you read through the stories, it, it was not like that. And I think that is just so cool. But anyway, back to what I was reading. It says that this was the last interview between David and Jonathan. It is the modern Kerbet Kila. Others identify it with Kuwaifa between Bet Jabrin and Beersheba mentioned in the Armana tablets. And a little further down, I read, I'll just share a little bit more. I like history. I like facts, but it says a city of the Shephela mentioned in Joshua chapter 15, verse 44, along with Nizib, Azib, and Moresha, along and among those who repaired the walls of Jerusalem was Hashabiah, the ruler of half the district of Keilah, for his district after him repaired their brethren, Bavai, the son of Henadad, the ruler of half the district of Keilah, and that is found in Nehemiah 3, 17 through 18. What if we had these kind of names today? <laughs> David and Keilah. It is, however, from the story of the wandering of David that we have most information regarding this place. It was a city with gates and bars. First Samuel 23 and 7. And we're going to read a little bit about 
how Saul just automatically assumed that he had David because he found out that David was in this place. And how many of you know that you have enemies that will come after you and think that there's no way out. And I'm, I'm really talking to people who serve the Lord. That is what I best identify with because if you know him and if you really know him, then you know that there's no way to box him in. You will know that he is, as the songs used to say, he is a way maker. He will make a way out of no way. Just ask the children of Israel what it was like to be enclosed in in the wilderness with no way out with the enemy, with Pharaoh and all of his army, all of his horsemen following after them. And then God almighty would part the Red Sea and allow his children to cross over into dry land and what happened when the enemy tried to pursue, they saw what the children of Israel did and they decided that, hey, if they can cross, then we can cross too. Well, read the story for yourself in Exodus and see what happened to the enemy that tried to pursue the children of God. That ought to be encouragement for someone. I get so encouraged when I read and when I hear these stories because it lets me know it is no different for me. It is no different for us in this time that we live in because Hebrews reminds us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it back then, he'll do it right now. So I need you to know that today. I need you to understand that. It says the Philistines came against it and commenced robbing the threshing floors. David, after twice inquiring of Yahweh, went down with 600 of his men and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and slew them with great slaughter. Saul hearing that David and his men were within a fortified town, summoned all the people to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Then David asked Abiathar the priest to bring him an ephod and he inquired of Yahweh whether if Saul came, the men of Keilah would surrender him to save that city. Hearing from Yahweh, they will deliver thee up. He and all his men escaped from Keilah and went into the wilderness. The reputed strength of Keilah is confirmed by its mention in five tablets in the Tel El Amarna letters under the name of Kitz. It says Kiti Petri with Gedor, Gath, Robber, and geezer. <laughs> so I'm going to stop right there as far as some of the, you know, little historical facts. And then I want to pick it up in first Samuel 23. And if you can, you can read along with me, or if you desire to verse one says, then they told David saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah and they rob the threshing floors Two. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, go 
and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. Three, and David's men said unto him, behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Four, then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, arise, go down to Keilah, not to Keilah. <laughs> I know some of y'all are thinking about that. I've never, I don't, I've never had a tequila. I've heard so much about it. Um, in my lifetime, I just remember when I was young, not even a teenager, and I was hanging out with uh, some friends of mine, Carol and, and her sister uh, came home. Uh, and why does her name escape me now that I'm thinking about this story? But uh, her sister came home from South and, you know, she was around a lot more and she was a little older and she drank and smoked and, you know, things like that. And I remember one day we were sitting there at the table and they had their mother's uh, drinks. They had some bottles on the table and there was a bottle of, I believe it was tequila because there was like a worm in the bottom of the bottle. And I said, oh, that is disgusting. And they were trying to get me to taste. And I was like, no way. And I am so glad that I just did not have a desire to do that. But anyway, it's not tequila, it's tequila. <laughs> so uh, five says, so David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. What I like about this also, we see this of David often through scripture, but David had close communion, close communication with the Lord. And he didn't just get up and go about his business without inquiring of the Lord, which kept him from making a lot of mistakes. Now we know that he made mistakes and I'm not going to make that about this. You can read through the story. A lot of you are familiar with King David's life. Oh, he made plenty of mistakes, but yet the Bible still says that God called him a man after his own heart. And so David had favor with the Lord, but he was wise enough to go before the Lord and seek his face and ask direction. Does not Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six tell us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. It says in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So I'm wondering today, are we doing that? And, and what is the holdup? What is it that keeps us from turning over our lives to the one who knows it all, the one who knows better than we do? Is it because we sometimes think that we know best? If you look at technology, if you look at the things that have transpired and taken place in this world, and I've always thought this for many years, I've been looking at this and I would say, hmm, 
Man really thinks that he knows better than God. They're always trying to improve on something in a way. And it's kind of funny. And then it's not when things get all messed up because apparently you don't know as much as you think think that you know he's God. He is the creator. The Bible says that he created it all, the heavens and the earth. He made it all. If he created you, if he created me, and I know some people dispute this, I have nothing to do about that. I have nothing to say about that. People are free to choose to believe whatever they want. I choose to believe the word of God. And it says in the beginning, God created. So I believe that the Bible also tells me that he created me and he created me for his pleasure. I am his handiwork. I believe that. And he created and designed me in his likeness and his image for his purpose. So who knows better about my life and about the ways that I should take than him? I'm not happy to report that I did not always acknowledge him. Even there were times and situations when I knew what I needed to do and I chose another path. Well, I found out the hard way that he knew best, but King David definitely was smart enough to know that God would have the answers. And then he also went to the priest of God. Verse six says, and it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Seven, and it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. Eight says, and Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Nine, and David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring hither the ephod. Ten, then said David, O Lord, God of Israel, thy servant have certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. 11. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord, God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. 12. Then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Now, isn't this something? David went to save them from the Philistines. And here they are turning on him, giving him up to this madman, King Saul, who was trying to kill him. This is so crazy, but do you understand? And do you know that we deal with people like this today? That's why I say sometimes it is definitely important for you to have discernment and have a discerning spirit. And maybe one day I will get a chance to talk about how that gift was imparted to me in a public service. I was visiting an African ministry uh, many years ago and I had an experience with this, but my time is running out. I want to finish what I'm talking about. So I'll 
I'll try to remember that maybe in another episode, but so now he's inquiring of the Lord. Suppose he just thought that he had everything under control because he had already saved the city. What if he had gotten laps? How many times do we do that? We get laps after we have a victory or after something works out. Why is it that we sometimes think that we no longer need God? We no longer need his guidance. Like Adam and Eve, we can be and live independent of God. That is just not good. That's just not good. But David did not do that. And this is an example for us. The Bible says the Old Testament is a type and shadow of things to come. So we are to read and learn and read and heed. Most importantly, James says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. We need to heed the word of God. It will save us a lot of heartache. Verse 13 says, then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. 14 and David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness. Now, didn't we just talk about Caleb taking back his mountain here? David's in a stronghold, in a hiding place in the wilderness of Ziph and Saul sought him every day. This is insane. Why? Why was he seeking David? Why was he trying to kill him? David was good to Saul. David defeated uh, the, the giant Goliath that everyone was afraid to battle. He served Saul. He became a part of the army and he went out. The Bible says he be behaved himself wisely only because the women of the city came back and they ascribed more glory to David than to Saul. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And so basically it was saying Saul is okay, but David is the man. David is the new thing. And the Bible says that Saul eyed him from that day forward. Forward. So this man was insanely jealous of David. And so here it is. He's got his attention off of being king and things that he needs to do. And he's seeking David every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. Can I tell you something? If you belong to the king of glory, he has you. That's why Psalm said, um, what is man that I am mindful of him? What, what am I worrying about what man can do to, and I'm confusing that with the scripture. Uh, the angel said, what is man that you are mindful of them to God? But the Bible clearly tells us that if God is before you, who can stand against you? And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, but I'm not just thinking about David. I appreciate these stories, but oh my goodness, I appreciate it so much more when I can relate this to personal experiences that I have been in. I have been in situations with people coming after me. And yes, they have been the very people that I have helped, people that I have loved, people that I have supported. I even shared on a prayer line and I shared in a few podcasts episodes, um, 
several months ago about a situation that I was dealing with. And guess what? I inquired of the Lord, just like David did. I laid across my floor, knowing in my spirit, I was discerning. I was picking up something and I knew something was going on in a personal situation and I could not put my finger on it. And I laid out before the Lord and I was on my floor for quite some time. And yes, the tears were streaming. And I just said, God, I don't know what's going on, but you do. You see everything. You see this person. You see uh, the day to day. You know what is in the works. I feel it, but I do not know. And after I laid out just for a little while in complete silence, I heard three little words that changed the course of what the individual was in the process of doing. And during the time, the, the whole plan began to unfold before me and it was pretty underhanded, but guess what? I'm happy to report that God turned that thing around and what they were trying to do, it happened to them instead. So I am talking about the God of the Bible, not just David's God. I'm talking about a God that I know. And so I take great pride in sharing this with you because it's not just a story. This is real. This is realistic. It is reality to me. The enemy thought that he had me boxed in. He thought I was in a situation where there were bars and gates all around me. Oh, but he didn't know my God. It makes me think about Bugs Bunny on that little cartoon when he would be running away after he did all his mischief and he'd be sitting there eating his kerosene. He don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> and then I, yeah, I believe it was Bugs Bunny. Porky Pig comes to mind. But anyway, that was a long time ago. But I, I need you to know as I'm closing this out, and I need you to understand that it really is true. If God is before you, the entire world can stand against you and you still are the majority because you have the king of kings and the king of glory. And if he has your back, it doesn't matter how many people turn their backs on you or try to stab you in the back. You just go and take back what's yours.